Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn Awardner, and in this episode, well, this is the episode that nearly didn't get to you. This is during a pod a day in May where I've said that I'll publish a podcast every single day, the Sunday show will be unchanged, and yet it is a Sunday show during a pod a day in May that is where I hit my first potential hurdle. And it's because I've been feeling crappy over the last couple of days. I've been headachy, my jaw's been aching, I've had very little energy, no more. There haven't really been many Instagrams of me running the last couple of days in the morning going, yeah, I've done it. Um, and the morning I recorded this episode, I could have easily woken up, cried off sick and gone back to bed. Genuinely, it has not been a strong week for the energetic version of Emma Gunn's. Ugh, third person reference, I apologise. But this episode is one I've been working on for a while because it's a topic that you, my most excellent listeners, have asked me to explore in detail in the show. It's a show all about hormones and very specifically about perimenopause and menopause. The reason it has taken a while to bring the show to you is that I've wanted to get the right guest and approach the subject in a way that's accessible and not hugely scientific and bamboozling, because it really can be. I did a lot of research on this and came out of it feeling a little bit none the wiser. But enter Dr. Elaine McQuaid, who brilliantly agreed to be on the show to answer all my and your questions and really simplify what goes on when our hormone level levels begin to change and we head towards menopause. And perhaps ironically, when I arrived to see Elaine at the Marion Gluck Clinic in central London, I mentioned my headache, lethargy and other symptoms because I really did feel like you could just see it on my face. I felt puffy and just a bit like I was walking in going, oh, hi, Elaine, sorry. And as it turns out, after she asked me two questions, and it's all hormone related, which is why the codeine and caffeine wasn't helping a jot and why it was now in like day three of feeling rubbish. So there, I'd done my homework, learned my hormone terminology and was armed with a few bits of paper because I genuinely thought I need to keep track of all of this. I really need to scribble down notes. If there's mention of what happens at this time of the month and that time of the month, I need to keep some sort of a graph so that I can go back and ask the right questions and keep everything on track. But I hope it cheers you to know that while the biological stuff can get a bit sciencey, when it comes to the practical things you and I can do, that's actually the easier bit. It really is. I mean, I didn't need to draw any pictures or graphs or anything because 
really what goes on is one thing that can be identified and but, but then it can be worked on by you and your doctor or by you in other practical ways and that's what's really empowering I felt about what Elaine was saying very early on in the show she says actually some lifestyle changes can make a huge difference before you even go down the medical route I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I suspect this will be the first of many shows on this topic, as I know a lot of you have emailed me with questions and queries about what's happening to hormones and how it relates to other things like mood, hair, skin and energy. But this episode is designed to go back to basics, ask the questions that help help us, that's me and you, understand the basics and also the practical steps you and I can take in the here and now. So I hope you find this episode useful. Thank you to Elaine for joining me. And I would really like to hear from you, whether that's via email at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or on DM on social media, where I am at Emma Guns on Instagram and Twitter. One of the greatest places to chat to me and also other listeners to the show is the Facebook group. The link to join is in the show notes. There are two questions that you have to answer. If you don't answer those questions, I'm afraid I can't let you in. Answer those questions and you will have nigh on 3,000 fellow listeners who will be able to share and discuss with you on topics such as perimenopause, menopause, hormones, whatever it might be. Here it is. (laughs) I really hope that you enjoy it and um, do get in touch if you have any thoughts, feelings, and don't forget to join that Facebook group. So here we are, perimenopause and everything that you need to know. And I hope you feel as cheered about it as I did. Right, Elaine. Elaine McQuaid is with me. Now, listeners, this is an episode I'm very excited about bringing to you because in the Facebook forum on emails, I get a lot of questions about hormones and particularly perimenopause. Now, Elaine McQuaid joins me. You are Dr. Elaine McQuaid. Hello. (laughs) Hi. Um, And I've just said to you, could you, you know, for the purposes of this podcast, what's your title? And it was quite a lot that you were able to rattle off. Well, um, I'm an ex-NHS GP. I've given that up over the last couple of years. Um, previously work, worked in hospital medicine back in Ireland and then trained in functional medicine and bioidentical hormones. And that's what I've been doing for the last three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, lots of different trainings over the years that um, I've spent a fortune on and <laughs> <laughs> too much time, but yeah. But uh, the purposes of this episode is that you do specialise in bioidentical hormones and you are something... Well, basically, you know what goes on in the female body month by month. Listeners, I'm not going to lie. One of the first things I did when I landed in the office was going, (laughs) why do I always get a low-level headache, migraine situation a few days before I come on? And Elaine just explained to me exactly what it is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so yeah well I've been working in hormones the past couple of years so hopefully I know I know something yes <laughs> now um let's just get into this I even think understanding what happens during the monthly cycle can be bamboozling in and of itself um but when it comes to perimenopause there's a lot of um confusion and I don't even know whether it's confusion or just lack of information out there is that something that you find and feel yeah, I mean, most of the women who come to see me actually don't know an awful lot about their hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, um, t- to make it really simple, the perimenopause starts usually when you turn t- turn 40 and that's when your hormones start to fluctuate and change. The biggest one in the perimenopause for 
for me when I see women is progesterone. So oestrogen mm-hmm. tends to be maintained and um, starts to fluctuate a bit, but the biggest one is progesterone dropping and you get what we call oestrogen dominant picture where women gain weight. They start to experience anxiety and sleep problems um, and you get probably worsening PMT as well. So the progesterone tends to, to be to drop a lot more than the estrogen. So mm-hmm. you get a, 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 an imbalance of the mm-hmm. hormones. So in the perimenopause, we tend to help women with that, with, with replacement of progesterone. Um, and that usually is suffice until the periods stop, mm-hmm. which would then be called the menopause. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is when then we start to look at other different hormones like like estrogen to replace, um, to help them with their symptoms. Um so yeah, so there's there's a lot of confusion around perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause. We can clear it up. So it's not even a, so the menopause isn't necessarily a process. The menopause is the men stop. Like once your period stop, that's yeah. it. It's actually the transitiony bit is perimenopause. So the perimen yeah, this is where the confusion comes in. The way I explain it to patients is that the perimenopause is when the hormones start to go erratic. Right. Um, the menopause is when the hormones stop completely and that's when people call the change or um where you drop off the cliff edge basically and things go wrong but but things start prior to that and then postmenopausal is really any time after that and people talk about coming through the menopause which is a bit of a myth really because you don't actually come through anything you come through the the dropping off the cliff edge, mm-hmm. edge which is the hard part but actually your hormones don't ever come back so when people come and say how long do I need to be on these or um, basically the rest of your life is mm-hmm. is ideal if mm-hmm. you can because actually your hormones don't ever come back okay interesting right and also just because we've talked about um, progesterone what is the um what is the function of progesterone? So progesterone's basically one of your sex hormones. Um, works along with estrogen. It's sort of in a in a balance. It's your pregnancy hormone as well. It goes really high in pregnancy, and it's what we call it's the, it's a happy hormone. So it's mm-hmm. a lot. It has a big effect on your mood. Um, it helps to balance your weight. So it sort of balances out the estrogen um, fluid retention effect. So it's a it's a more of a diuretic. Um, it's um, it helps your thyroid function. It's got a multitude of effects that aren't just related to the menstrual cycle, um, but it's your sort of hormone that's most associated with the PMT symptoms. So the, that week before your period, mm-hmm. when women women tend to feel no energy, mood, sleep goes off, um, and they get a bit depressed or anxious. That's the hormone effects of um, progesterone dropping prior to the period. Oh, so that explains the last five days. Yeah. So progesterone basically is there to maintain the lining of the womb in pregnancy um, and obviously drops prior to your period whenever you don't conceive so that mm-hmm. your, your body then has a bleed because a, a baby hasn't been conceived. So okay. it's part of the cycle. And as we've done the explainer about uh, progesterone, let's talk about oestrogen and what oestrogen does. And again, oestrogen has a lot of effects on mood. Oestrogen is one of the other sex hormones, which is um, um, basically the most the hormone that most women know about. Um, it's um, it helps your mood. It helps your brain function. It's most the, the drop in oestrogen is the one where people get the brain fog and. 
just not being able to think straight. Um, it's also when it drops in the menopause, you get symptoms of hot flushes, so it helps maintain your temperature control. Mm. It's a big part of your metabolic rate as well. So um, when estrogen and progesterone drop in the menopause, women tend to gain weight because their metabolic rate slows down and their thyroid's affected as well. So again, it, these hormones aren't just about which is what um, the medical profession are now recognising that they're more than just sex hormones. Mm. So we don't just give women BHRT or HRT um, for their menopausal symptoms. They're actual, they're actual long-term benefits for for being on hormones longer term. Mm. And what are the differences between bioidentical hormones and hormones? Is bioidentical are bioidentical hormones new? In that, are they a breakthrough? moving on from the original form of HRT. That's my okay. understanding from, from using the internet. So bioidentical bio hormones have actually been around for years and years and years. Mm. Um, um, and um, there's a Dr. John Lee in the USA who's written lots of books on it. Um, Marion Glick was one of the first UK mm. um, doctors to bring it into the UK and started off in Australia. Um, and they're basically hormones that are made identical to the human body's hormones so the oestrogen mm. and the progesterone components are exactly the same molecular structure as your own bodies mm-hmm. um so you're replacing like for like so you're not having any you shouldn't have any side effects and mm-hmm. um, all you're doing is is topping up your own hormones that are missing um and the difference between those and hrt which is what your gp can prescribe mm-hmm. or can be prescribed on the nhs um and I'll go back on this in a minute because mm. doctors in the NHS can prescribe natural hormones as well. It's just not in the same bespoke way as mm-hmm. they can in sort of specialist right. bioidentical hormone yeah. clinics. Um, so the, can, most of the conventional HRTs or the older ones um, um, have natural estrogen in them, but they have an unnatural progesterone called progestogen um, or type or variations on that theme. Um, drug companies can't patent natural hormones, unfortunately, so they have to make them slightly different. But the slight difference has a massively different effect on okay. on the effects that it has on your body. So, so obviously the conventional HRT helps a lot, a lot mm. of women with their symptoms, but it can come with side effects. So for some women it works really well, mm. and obviously they feel better on it because their hot flushes stop, but it also can have side effects like weight gain mm-hmm. and actual depression. So... The progesterone that we would prescribe with bioidentical hormones has all the happy hormone effects, makes mm-hmm. you feel better and happier and sleep better and helps your mood and helps you lose weight. The unnatural progesterones tend to cause weight gain, depression, can affect your sleep um, and can nice. have lots of untoward effects. So there's a big movement towards obviously going towards natural and everybody wants to be much more natural these days and and obviously this is just another way of looking at that Mm. is it correct if um one gets really bad pmt for example or gets really bad period cramps every month is that a sign that or is this a myth that you're going to have a really horrible menopause um i don't think there's massive links between the both but it does show that you're probably a bit more hormonally driven mm-hmm. um so um it is odd i think i spoke to you earlier about mm-hmm. how different the presentation is with each one woman that comes to the clinic you know when some women as you say have 
go through their life without having any period problems and then there's other women who are crippled with period pain mm. the week before their period so it probably does have a link I've actually not done any research into that mm. but it's maybe something I should, I'll start to ask but um you know, we I see women every day. Some women go through the menopause and the very minimal symptoms. They may come with just a few hot flushes. Other women are completely crippled, mm-hmm. can't leave the house with anxiety, um, mood and depression, and not sleeping, mm-hmm. hot flushes. So the variation is the only reason. The only way I can explain it is that we're all differently, differently yeah. equipped to deal with our hormones. Um, which I guess means that if you are going to try and manage it, you have to have a detailed blood test because you have to have a blood test that shows up your individual uniqueness because, and not just a cookie-cutter test. Yeah, I mean, it's actually funny. One of the patients came up with it one day and it actually makes perfect sense that we should have our bloods tested when we're in our 30s yeah. to, get us the, to give us an idea what our maximum is because everybody's levels are different. You know, so in an ideal world, maybe we should look at that in the future is that, you know, when we're in our prime, that we get a blood test done to see what our level of hormone is so that mm. we can aim for that when they come to the menopause. Um, the reason we do bloods at the clinic is, firstly, we do a baseline. Um, I'm mostly in the menopause um, when your hormones have stopped, you'll not have any hormone show and occasionally you'll have mm. a small amount of estrogen that your body's still producing. So what we're usually seeing is no estrogen, no progesterone and usually low testosterone as well. Um, the perimenopause is slightly different because obviously you're still having periods. So we would normally do bloods at day 21 and that would, and normally what we would see then is a very high level of estrogen and a very low level of progesterone. Mm-hmm. Um and and then we go about fixing that really so and then afterwards we tend to do bloods just to check the levels just to make sure that they're not too high and obviously mm. to keep an eye on things um but a lot of a lot of the consultation a lot of the um, management is around being a bit more intuitive and mm. actually asking the patient how they're feeling obviously and blood tests are only a, just a, a marker and a and a yeah. and assist to that um but a biggest the biggest thing is how they're feeling obviously mm. um and again, monitoring the blood tests, we look at levels, but everybody's level of where they feel best at is different. So again, it's very much a very mixed guide mm. of how they're feeling, what I look at the blood tests about mm. and how I can help manage it best. So it's it's a, it's a a bit of a jigsaw puzzle, really. Yeah, and look, the reality is I know people might be listening and they're thinking, okay, Emma, this is all very well and good, but I, I'm not in a position where I can go and see a specialist and get these detailed blood tests. So if someone's listening to this and they're... They're struggling. They're struggling. Yeah. Um, how do you know that you're not just having a bad month or you're not, you're not just under stress, which is causing you to feel that your maybe PMT or monthly symptoms are amplified? How might you know the difference between that and actually beginning perimenopause um i mean usually it's a multitude of things as mm. you know um as us most of us when we hit our 40s start lots of things start to change so stress has a big impact mm. on the hormones so um being very stressed will affect how your body um how much body your body is able to produce progesterone because if you're producing a lot of cortisol which mm. you do when you're stressed then the body preferentially will produce that over uh, rather than progesterone because it has only a certain amount of substrate. Oh, so it's almost like an either war for those two hormones. If, if you're really heavily stressed, yeah, and there's something called the cortisol steel pathway, which is basically what happens is, the way I explain it to patients is, 
all the hormones are made from cholesterol um, and the body has obviously a finite amount of cholesterol to use so if your body's really pushing out the cortisol and it is a choice mm. very simply your body has a fight or flight survival choice mm. or a do I have sex choice then the body has to obviously <laughs> the, the simpler way that I explain it to patients and yeah. it works really well so the body has to do say do I run or do I lie down yeah exactly do I live or do I yeah so it's a preferential of what we do so um and the body produces cortisol so then poor old progesterone gets put on the back burner okay. so that estrogen dominant picture that we talked about earlier that mm. happens naturally in the menopause any or in the perimenopause anyway becomes even more exacerbated and yeah. even more of an imbalance so then women who are perimenopausal and very very stressed will have even worse symptoms so mm. obviously that's a big part of my job when I see them is actually looking at how can I help with their stress how can I help them manage that rather than just say here's some progesterone oh okay so you could be beginning to show the symptoms but if you're stressed anyway yeah. and then you get stressed about how you're feeling as well yeah obviously you could actually it's be making matters worse it's a so bit of a vicious you, circle so it is a bit more holistic it's a bit more okay well obviously say you're a 40 something year old woman listening to this actually part of your hormone treatment could be stress management yeah absolutely absolutely i mean a big part of this is very much the GP work that I did is looking at the bigger picture and mm. looking at holistically why why what is going on and not just I don't just do hormones it's very much a big mm. part of my job is the psychology and a big interest of mine is is what else is going on and the emotional concept mm. context of what's happening and usually when you you know unfortunately the menopause perimenopause kids are middle of exams or leaving home parents elderly parents are getting sick mm. marriages are starting to you know fray, fray a little bit at the core and, and obviously the hormone issues don't help mm. um so you know it, it's actually i mean the consult is not just about the hormones and i'd be doing the patients a disservice mm. just to say oh here's some hormones because it's not just the you yeah. know it's very much the functional medicine approach that i use is that we look at all aspects and obviously looking yeah. at that could be papering over the cracks it's interesting um it's very tempting when I did the episode on thyroid. Um, I really wanted a sluggish thyroid mm -hmm. <laughs> because I was hoping that a bit of thyroxine would get me into a size 27 gene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I don't have a sluggish thyroid. And actually, in a way, it's good. But there is that thing of if you get a confirmation from a blood test and then something that you can take, it's kind of tick, box, tick. But yeah. actually, it sounds like even with the hormones and with the other things you can do like the stress management it really is about um trying it seeing how it works seeing if you can improve it tweaking it here there mm -hmm. and everywhere it's, it's a course not a yeah it's very much a journey rather mm -hmm. than a, a destination yeah, a, a, yeah so so looking at and again the thyroid lots of people come obviously weight's a big issue for women and, mm -hmm. and lots of people come thinking oh it's my thyroid and can you give me some thyroid <laughs> the female hormones and the thyroid work very closely together as well. So sometimes just assisting yeah. the female hormones, thyroid goes off at that time of life as well. But sometimes it's a matter of mm. fixing something and then just seeing how the body reacts to it. Because yeah. quite often it'll, it'll quite happily fix itself if you just give it the right tool. So mm. often giving them some progesterone will help the weight loss and it'll also help the thyroid to work better as well. Um, and again massively stressed um i see a lot of women who are 
highly, highly stressed, who are trying to lose weight, who go and kill themselves at the gym and knock themselves out in a treadmill and do exercise until they're nearly sick. Um, mm. And that's probably the worst thing they can do if they're heavily stressed because their cortisol is then just going to be even more mm-hmm. driven and they're going to hold on to fat and store fat because that's what cortisol does. Yeah. Do you believe in adrenal fatigue? I do. I could tell you lots about adrenal fatigue. I've suffered my own adrenal fatigue mm-hmm. and it's not a nice place to be. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's one of my big areas that I look at. Um, and I think it's becoming an epidemic, to be honest, in this society and probably will become even bigger with the mobile phone use and just the adrenaline kicks that we all get and the dopamine release from mm. just using social media and, and those type of things and just the pressure that we are all under um, as human beings. So if you're highly stressed and your hormones are beginning to fluctuate because you're in perimenopause, which is a long-term place, right? Perimenopause isn't... How long does perimenopause last? It can last up to 10 years, so it can start 40s. I mean, I'm seeing it a lot earlier because of stress now too, but it can. Wait, I mean, so stress could be triggering it earlier? It can, I think it can. I think it's starting to, because of the progesterone effect, it can mm. start those sort of estrogen dominant pictures and start to give you a little bit of an, a perimenopausal earlier picture now. So I do think there's a big impact on that. But yeah, stress is massive. I had a lady on the phone the other day and that was, you know, you could just, she lives abroad and and you could just palpably hear her stress on the phone, you know, and she was wanting all these medications to fix her and I actually had to just be really, in a nice way, be really, you know, direct direct and say, look, you are on the verge, she's she's basically on the verge of of burnout. Mm. Um, And I just had to be very gently say, look, we really need to address your lifestyle issues or you're mm. going to fall. The problem is until you hit that brick wall, you don't know what it's like. And I, I know you've suffered from your own issues. Mm. So, But some people until will continue to... And I did it. I continued to push and push and push and push until you fall over the edge and then you go, I think I have to do something now about this. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to take a week off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and unfortunately, that's what we're all like. We think we're... We do. I was talking to somebody about it the other day and we're just laughing saying, you know, we all think we're superhuman, which we do, that we can Mm. just continue running on empty and run a million miles an hour and juggle 27 balls in the air. And then, unfortunately, the body can only do so much until it... And it starts to give you signs, but it's one of my big things. um, I think I spoke to you about setting up the retreats and stuff, about, you know, listening to your body Mm. and actually getting in there before, you know, what was it said... Uh, someone sent me this something about um listen to your body when it whispers so you don't have to hear it when it screams which i thought was really lovely because yeah it's it tells you what you want to know but we are all so busy doing what we're doing that we don't actually listen to the signs of you know yeah my gut's playing up or you know i'm really fatigued or really tired we just keep pushing through or add in a bit more caffeine or on don't judge me Elaine oh don't I'm I listen <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a caffeine addict as well so but um but okay yeah there's there's a lot to unpick there because I do think stress plays in a, a really vital part in in the hormone story yeah massively. um right so can we can we talk about really specifically and this is where I get a bit lost so if you see me drawing pictures okay. although listeners Elaine has very helpfully got a graph in front of me which has actually got a picture of the answer to my question which is basically what happens during the menstrual cycle week by week 
And then how does that change when you go into perimenopause? Because I guess that graph looks different. Like the spikes aren't as high or the lows aren't as low. Or... The peri, I mean, it's very difficult to give you a fixed schedule of what happens in the perimenopause. Obviously, you have um, your menstrual cycle where your estrogen and progesterone rise at different times in the um in the menstrual cycle, mid-cycle, you usually have a spike of estrogen. Um, mm. Slightly later, then you'll have a spike of progesterone. Where so mid-cycles, where you have ovulation, when the estrogen is at its is at its height. Is a is a prolonged period of a lot of estrogen bad? Um, estrogen has got a bit of bad press in the in the past, and there's been lots of. Um, there's been lots of, I mean, we'll talk about the HRT thing in a bit mm-hmm. and about the the risks from that. But estrogen has got lots of very positive effects. Too much estrogen is, is causes increase in cell growth. So it can cause cancers if it's mm. very high over long periods of time. Um, but estrogen is obviously a very positive hormone. Like anything else, it's getting the balance right. And um, How would you know if you had high estrogen? Would, would you know? Um most women who have high estrogen feel pretty good. They're usually the more better skin, better hair, gives you a lot of blooming estrogen effects, but it also will, usually those women are a bit more sort of hippie, um, sort of estrogen dominant, has that sort of more sort of heavy around the hips look. So okay. um, they tend to be gain weight a bit easier as well. So, um, so... Estrogen dominance tends to be, and the women who sort of struggle a bit to lose weight can be because of estrogen dominance, not mm. just the thyroid. So, um, and again, estrogen dominance tends to be those women who have worse PMT and stuff as well. So that are a couple of the signs that you would you would sort of make you start to think that you've got estrogen dominance um, or high estrogen. The other thing is things like fibroids is usually linked with estrogen dominance, endometriosis. PCOS can be a bit of an estrogen dominant picture as well. Oh. So, um, Why is testosterone dominant? It's testosterone as well, but it, oh. um, it can be that you can get a little bit of estrogen dominance as well. So, so yeah, those are a couple of the diagnoses mm. that might link into estrogen dominance. Um, I just think it's interesting for somebody who's listening to this, you might be feeling some tweaks, some tweaks, not tweaks, changes. And uh, to understand maybe if it is... A hormone change. I came in here and said I've got I've had a low level headache for three days, and you said it's because your estrogen's dropped. Yeah, yeah. So prior to the prior to the, your period, your estrogen and progesterone both drop, and mm. most women who suffer from headaches or migraines that tends to happen. Um, and as I say again, in the perimenopause, a lot of women who suffer from migraines because of the fluctuating estrogen that happens in the perimenopause before it drops completely is they get worsening headaches and it's quite hard to control because of we don't know what the estrogen's doing. And some women, they have normal periods right up until the menopause and then it just stops. And then some other women, it's it's fluctuating. So it's, it's a very hard thing to predict yeah. how anybody's going to go into their menopause. Because everyone's unique and different and wonderful. So everyone's hormones are unique and different and wonderful and will affect them differently. Hence why the sort of more bespoke treatments that we talked about earlier are more beneficial. But again, for women who can't afford to come to a clinic where they're doing the sort of bespoke um, bioidentical hormones, there are things your GP can do to help. Mm -hmm. There are natural estrogens and natural progesterones. Obviously, it's not as tailor-made, but Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot on the media recently about menopause and a lot of GPs are now a bit more 
um, a bit more clued in. Uh, uh, I think GPs have got a lot of bad press about, um, but menopause is one of those things that you we up until the last few years HRT was a no-no because there was mm. so much bad press about it. Now they've sort of turned it over on its head and said that actually hormones are really beneficial and the benefits outweigh the risk. And all the research that was done, all the risks about cancer were done on conventional HRT. So a lot of the NHS doctors are now switching over to a more bioidentical mm-hmm. approach. But um, there, there's always going to be a bit of controversy. I mean, this bioidentical hormone stuff is relatively new and I know a lot of GPs are a bit whether they just don't know about it or they're off mm. about it, but um, they they can prescribe it on the NHS. As I say, it's just mm. not as tailor-made. And um, I think with time, hopefully hopefully this will become more mainstream mm. and cheaper, but at the minute, unfortunately, it's not. And just for the week, because obviously the international audience, we have an international audience oh, okay. on the show. So um, obviously we don't know what the, what the availability is in other territories, but just to sort of flag up that it... Um, it might be available where you are or you yeah. might have to ask. We, we actually see a lot of international patients at the clinic who mm. either fly over or do Skype consults with us. So um, I think it's becoming more mainstream and um, there are, are more doctors being trained up on it. So hopefully with time it will be available to all. Mm. But there are ways and means if you really need to get it that you can have a consult. Um, and I think that's one of the, you know, I think there's a lot of, I just did a menopause um, talk at a, uh, in in Cheltenham over the weekend, and there's a lot more interest in this. People are becoming much more aware, and um, and you can find the info if you want mm. to find it, and there's help available. And when you when you speak to women, maybe not in clinic, because obviously that's a personal consultation, and there's also confidentiality. But when you go and do those sorts of talks, what are the questions that people are asking? What information? is it that they're not finding out there? Um, well, basically the information is all out there, but I think it's easier when you have someone to ask the questions to. And I mean, the, there always is a lot of interest around hormones. Um, and a lot of people are on conventional treatment, but just don't feel quite right. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's where the bioidentical comes in because they don't... I think it's the understanding that they're not on a natural progesterone can sometimes just turn the corner for them. So they're on HRT, mm-hmm. their symptoms have gone, they've no hot flushes anymore, but they just don't feel themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the mood's just not quite right and there's just something missing. And I think that's where the bioidenticals make a difference in that they're they're, they're direct fit. Mm-hmm. So we should hopefully get you back. And the way I say to my patients is actually, for the first time in, in your life, you've got a balanced hormone profile mm-hmm. for long term. So you actually should be at your best rather than yeah. if we can get it right which we can I know everyone's levels might be different but is there an optimum ratio? Um, the ratio of estrogen and progesterone we try to keep between 10 and 20 to 1 but the re- the levels again it's a bit of a it's tweaking them up and down mm. according to the patient so I don't try not to get my levels too high for estrogen so I don't want them to go above 400 but again some it's again it's a very debatable subject so mm. some women come in and go ah, you know they feel much better at higher levels obviously there's a little bit more risk having mm. the levels higher but you know it's all about for me quality of life rather than yeah. prolonging life 
just for a small risk that something untoward might happen if I give them a bit more estrogen. So as long as I educate them and they're aware mm. and they're happy, then I think that's my job done. Um, I think it's all about the patient and and we're, we as doctors should be there to guide them rather than mm. say, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. Mm. This is your, you know, the way I, when I give the hormones, I say, look, this is the dose I'm giving you. It's your body you know you will know better than I do I can guide you but you will know better when it's right for you so and yeah I want to obviously for the listeners I think it would be nice for anyone who's listening to this who might be and you use the expression who don't feel right I would give them the comfort that they might not be going mad they might not be wrong actually it that is probably a symptom in and of itself of just I just don't feel right right. yeah and there's again it's, it's back to listening to your body and if you feel you know the it, it was the biggest thing when I worked as a GP was you know the patient always knows better than mm. you do and if they come in and they there is always something there and it might not be physical but there's always something so go and talk to somebody go to your GP if you don't get the right GP mm. and they're not sympathetic find another one mm. um if you know there's menopause clinics opening up as well on the NHS so if you can't afford to go down the bioidentical route which um i think most people can it's it is expensive to do the different blood tests but there are ways and means to get around that um and actually longer term you know as i a lot of people are paying a lot of money for different Mm. cosmetic things that this hormones are really vitally important what other symptoms are there we've talked about the different levels but what other things might happen like will your hair density be affected would your skin be affected beyond the normal signs of aging or would you see a sudden acceleration in the signs of aging or uh, skin elasticity or things like that is there you know as you say i've often heard um my mum hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Talk about... um getting to a certain age and your waist goes. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Are they all... Sorry, listener. Yeah. Just squeak my chair. They're um, all... Are yeah. they all real? And yeah, very... they're all real. I mean, there's a big movement for a lot of the anti-aging doctors or aesthetic doctors are now training up on hormones because the only reason that we age is because our hormones drop. So people start to age late 30, start to develop wrinkles, and that's when the hormones start to fluctuate. So um, there's a big movement now, obviously, to fix the hormones, and that should hopefully prevent aging as well. So, so hang on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So if you keep your... if you really, Right. <laughs> In theory, if you were to keep, as, you, as your friend said about 
do your optimal levels in your early yeah. 30s. If you were to keep your hormones at that level by medical intervention... That and obviously other lifestyle things yeah. that you would do. Um, could extend your life. It could. Well, it'll help you to stay, maintain your, 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 your youthful looks, um, which it should help you. And obviously, yeah, help extend your life. So dropping your hormones means that um, all those symptoms that you described, so skin wrinkling, your hair starts mm-hmm. to dry, some women experience hair loss. Um, Would that be a, sp- a particular type of hair loss like is it is it female pattern baldness or is it like the little alopecia like how would it manifest in different women it depends on the on the woman but just more just general hair loss just thinner thinner drier hair um obviously thickening of the waist as the metabolic rate slows down as the hormone drops so not being able to lose weight that way they used to struggling to maintain their muscle which is usually sign of testosterone drop as well um hot flushes obviously sleeplessness, more anxiety, um, brain fog's a big one as well for a lot of women who just get forgetful, forget where they're putting things, have to write things What's the down. What's difference between brain fog and just being busy and being overwhelmed and just forgetting where you put your keys? Well, it's it's trying to work out which is which, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's a mixture of both, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously you get a lot of I get a lot of patients coming and going oh I'm just getting old that's what it is but that's only because your hormones have dropped as well right. you know so obviously we look at the stress factors and obviously if you're doing too many things and you have too much stuff in your head you're going to be more forgetful so but also the hormones will have an impact on mm-hmm. that as well so there's a big link now between hormones and dementia as well so l- losing your hormones has a big impact on on um on dementia and forgetfulness mm-hmm. and memory loss so um the very positive effects of being on bioidentical hormones is um, prevention of alzheimer's um keeping your bone density um quality of life factors obviously mm-hmm. and then most women don't develop cardiovascular disease until they hit the menopause um so being on hormones will obviously help prevent cardiovascular disease as well so there's lots of positives so here's the thing. When I was coming to this podcast today, I felt a real burden to um, really understand it because a lot of people have written into this show and have asked very specific questions about menopause, perimenopause, and there's been a, there's been a tone of distress. There really has. Mm-hmm. And uh, confusion isn't even the right word. I would say actually distress and frustration. And the thing that sort of almost, and I'm, I'm chuckling and it isn't funny, is that actually it, it just balance your hormones. Yeah. That it, it can be as simple as that. It's obviously how one can do that based on financial um, ability to be able to invest in it or to arm themselves with the right questions to speak to a GP. Yeah. I mean, as I say, I mean, I worked in GP for many years and, and it's a hard job and it's really, you know, GPs have limited time to deal with, but you know, go armed with your questions um, and go... Um, what is a good question to ask a GP? If you go in and all, all you think you've got is, I just don't feel right, and I'm 44, and I shouldn't be having the menopause yet, because doesn't that happen when you're 50? What are the right things to be asking? Well, basically just to give your symptoms as much as possible. If you can come armed with as much information, you've got to remember GPs have got 10 minutes to yeah. see a patient, write up their notes diagnose prescribe 
um, as well as the million other things that are going on in the background that they're doing. So it's a very stressful job mm-hmm. for them. So if you can come in armed with as much information as possible, um, bring a list of your symptoms. If you've got internet things that you've looked up and that you think it might be, then bring mm-hmm. that with you as well. Um, um, and come informed um, and they will try to help you as much as possible. That is their job. And they mm-hmm. are, you know... Most GPs are are really, really good at what they do and Mm. work really hard and they're doing their best to help their patients. So all you can do is help them to help you um, and they will hopefully be able to. If they aren't clued in on the menopause, um, maybe you're seeing a male doctor who doesn't see a lot of it, then ask to see the specialist female who Mm. looks after the menopause. There's menopause clinics, again, that you can get referred to if you're really symptomatic. Mm. Um, But... As I say, come armed with as much information as possible and, you know, they will do their best to assist you. Yeah. I'm actually looking in the Facebook group because there have been a few questions and interests. Maybe we can just go through them. Yeah. Um, uh, Yes, I would love to know what to... This is great. I would love to know what to expect as I approach menopause. Yeah, well, that's a $60 million question. Mm -hmm. As I say, it differs from everybody, but the symptoms that we we talked about, so once you hit 40s, um, hormones start to change. You may start to feel a bit more tired, lethargic. Things are a bit more of a struggle. Um, Mood changes, sleep Mm -hmm. changes, maybe weight changes. Um, Again, the biggest thing you can do is the lifestyle thing. So Mm -hmm. sleep well, very basic things, sleep well good diet you become a little bit more insulin resistant as you hit the menopause as well so watching your weight with good fats good proteins sort of minimizing the bad carbs Mm. but also not going on extreme diets or um doing anything erratic because your body is already under a lot of stress is it a little bit like all the stuff you've been able to get away with if you have been someone who's been able to get away with it catches up with you yeah <laughs> so basically that it's sort of that way and you just sort of your body starts to struggle a bit because mm. the hormones aren't there to assist it anymore so your body starts to just be a bit more you know you get tireder when you're exercising mm. and things just aren't as easy as they were in your 20s um and it's natural like it's a natural process so basically it's almost like and forgive this analogy because it is a bit weak but you are a vehicle and you have a petrol tank and your petrol tank is your hormones yeah. and you get to a certain point and it's a case of when you do fill that tank you do it by a bioidentical hormones if that's your choice what if somebody's thinking actually I don't think it's appropriate to fill up that tank the course of nature is that that tank naturally empties well this is a question I get asked a lot and have done a lot of deliberate and we talked about it at the weekend when I did the talk there's lots of questions around this I think the reason why a lot of women are against it, obviously there's a lot of scaremongering with the um, women's health study. It was done years and years ago that said that that hormones increase your risk of cancer. Mm, yeah. That was conventional HRT with the unnatural progesterones. Mm. But um, there's a lot of less, there's a lot, there's a lot more positives about the bioidentical side, but some women do want to just age naturally as they call it Mm. Um, and again we can assist them with diet, lifestyle, exercise all those things that can help and some women do tend to be okay Mm. but they aren't optimal Um, and my thing is all about quality rather than quantity as I said and if I can make them feel 
the best they, then I, I think we should. Um, obviously, again, there's the affordability and, and other different factors that come into that. Um, but I think we are living a lot longer now than we ever were. I think a lot of our ancestors didn't live much beyond their menopause, or if they were, they weren't mm. functioning in high-powered jobs and trying to do what we are having to do now in our 50s and 60s. Mm, yeah. A lot of the women I see are corporate women who are running businesses. They can't afford to have brain fog and be mm. forgetting things and being in meetings and having hot flushes mm. and, and just getting distressed and crying yeah, all yeah. the time. So so there's a lot of different factors that come into that. Obviously, if your lifestyle's different and you can... Um, you can manage your hormones. With, there are other ways and means of trying to manage your symptoms, yeah. but there are there are choices. And I think, obviously, I'm here to guide the choices, mm. but I think um, hormones... I think we... Saying that we should be aging old, getting old gracefully and, and not being without hormones is is fine, but it also, you know, I think we are living a lot longer now and I think mm. the benefits of living longer and having our brain and our wits about us and feeling well mm. is very important but again it's a choice it's a choice factor very important is there um a difference in what happens with your hormones when you sorry i'm scrolling through these questions because i just lost track of it um is there a difference between what you might experience with menopause or perimenopause if you have or haven't had children um, not that I've seen. Mm. It shouldn't make any difference, really, um, as to how you experience your menopause or perimenopause. Um, mm. Still go through the same drop in hormones, whether you've had kids or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, obviously, having kids comes with that added stress around the menopause, perimenopause, <laughs> but I, I've never, I, I don't see that there's a link, not, not that I'm aware of. Is there a, a link between uh, your hormone levels and your mental health? Um, massively I think a lot of there's a lot of I think there's a lot more information coming out now about the link between depression and anxiety and hormones so yeah I mean obviously the the hormones are a big impact on your on your mental health Um, could that be and I'm sorry to interject at this point but uh, I have spoken a lot to friends recently who have teenage kids and they are confiding in me that their children are experiencing anxiety and depression and not just experiencing it but diagnosed and there might be a special dispensation at their school because of it Mm -hmm. and I must admit I'm quite surprised and I just thought oh gosh well maybe when I was at school I would have been one of those kids because if somebody had actually sat me down they would have identified the anxiety and depression I didn't discover till my late 30s but then a part of it I'm wondering on such a big scale, is it that we're just diagnosing it earlier and there's a bigger frequency than we realise? Or is it because children's lifestyle, which is, you know, the exams that kids have to do now is so, uh, they're so many and varied mm-hmm. and there's stress around that, there's stress around their mobile phones. Could the stress be impacting their progesterone I, at, I think at so. a young age? Yeah, I mean, we see a lot of, a lot of women of all different ages and mm-hmm. I think... Um, I've seen I see men at the clinic as well um, with testosterone issues and and I think there probably is a link between you know our environment the stress that we're under chemicals in our food and hormone levels in kids so things like testosterone level in young men 
I think it's something that I I watched an American webinar about a year ago actually, and it was one of those things. I used to see a lot of um, anxiety and depression and depression in a lot of teenagers when I was doing GP, and it was never a, a subject that I it probably wasn't something that we could look at as GPs, but I think it's something that I I definitely be much more aware of now mm-hmm. in measuring things like testosterone levels in in young men who mm-hmm. are suffering from depression and also checking cyclical hormone changes in in young women as well. Um, so um, certainly around the time of their period um, and premenstrually and if they're having a lot of stress they're still under the same cortisol steel that we talked about earlier um, mm. that women have in their menopause they're still going to be impacted so if their progesterone is dropping then they're going to be more anxious so mm. it's again looking at all the different factors their lifestyle their stress their hormones their eating habits mm their mobile phone use, their social media use, all the different things that could be contributing to your their anxiety. Gut health as well is another big thing that is massively linked to your brain. So so it's, again, looking at a, a, a functional medicine lifestyle approach in that one thing doesn't just fix it. We have to mm. see what the big picture is and actually listen and, and hear the story of what's going on in their lives. Um, what about yams? <laughs> What about yams? Um, well, because we've all seen Sex in the City too. Let's face yes. it, listeners, we all sat through it. <laughs> but um, Samantha Jones was massaging yams into herself. Um, and that, I mean, I've heard that a lot. Is that... There's no, Obviously, you don't prescribe that. <laughs> well, actually, the base of our, our horm- natural hormones is, is Mex- wild Mexican yams. So mm-hmm. a lot of the, the, the natural component, obviously, they are bioidentical. Mm. They're not natural in that they're synthetically made in a specialist pharmacy, but they're actually um, to obviously preserve them and keep them and make sure Mm. that they're able to be absorbed into the body correctly. They have to be made into a certain consistency. Um, But their baseline is Mm. a natural substance like yams, which has got natural progesterone in it. So um, there's lots of online companies that provide similar type progesterone creams that you can buy over the counter some women find that they help somewhat so it's worth giving a try and obviously if it's not working completely right for you or you're you're still struggling then you can delve down the other route but as I say there's lots of there's lots of stuff out there that women can try that if that's available and Mm. and accessible for if you can't make make a clinic so okay so there are things that don't have to be prescribed by a doctor they're not i mean obviously they're not properly monitored and yeah. i don't know an awful Listeners, lot about yeah she's inserting a disclaimer yeah i don't <laughs> don't know much about them but they're you know i have women who come and say yeah it helped for a bit and then obviously if their symptoms got really you know obviously mm. it's probably at a very low dose mm. so then when things got deteriorated or they're entered further into the menopause then they need further assistance but that's really good to know because if you try it if you think well i think i'm having these symptoms mm-hmm. um i might give this yam cream a try and if you see an improvement then actually you know that maybe an investment in in going to yeah, a clinic yeah, yeah exactly okay right I, I feel cheered by that yeah so i think there's lots there's lots of options out there and as i say there's lots of luckily you know much as i diss social media and the internet i use it a lot for information and it's been a godsend for finding out stuff and you know there's a lot of positives around it as long as we keep it under control i think yeah. Was there anything you can do? There's a great question here in the group. Um, 
basically how to prepare for the menopause. And I think, obviously, we've discussed, like, lifestyle changes are hugely important. Um, what about nutrition? Is there Are there any foods you should cut out? Nutrition is... Um a bit of anybody who's sort of hitting, you know, their perimenopause, menopause, it's all about getting the sugar balance right as well. So you become a lot more insulin resistant. You become a bit like PMT. You crave sugars a lot because your body, the mm. metabolism of the hormones means that your your lack of hormones means you crave sugar. So to try and balance your hormones best is to obviously try and override that as much as you yeah. can, um, which is making sure that your sugar sugar sugar's balanced by having good proteins and fats at every meal so that your sugar doesn't your blood sugar level doesn't drop mm. so not snacking on chocolate and and having spikes of blood sugar so sort of a more low gi approach mm. i'm not an advocate of any sort of strict diets and i know there's lots of keto diets out there and fasting anybody with hormonal issues need to probably take guidance from either a nutritionist or a doctor before they mm. start anything extreme the ketogenic diet is a very sensitive subject on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's the ketogenic diet is actually a medical diet that was designed mm. for people who are um, epileptic, have brain disorders, mm. for cancer, for lots of other different things. It works really well for that. I don't believe it's a sustainable diet long term for anybody. Well, this is the thing. I feel like, and I always blame Madonna, and it's very unfair to blame Madonna <laughs> because she's not the reason, but I do feel that when she... <laughs> When she did the Blonde Ambition tour mm -hmm. and she turned up on stage in absolutely incredible shape, it changed or it, it started a conversation in the press about how one trains, how one exercises that for me personally made us start looking at it in a way, looking at exercise in a way that we hadn't before. Mm -hmm. And there's all this high performance, almost like athletic level uh, intervention building. that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Not even the, like the bodybuilding was always a little bit, you know, it's always off to the side and it was extreme and everyone kind of understood what it was about. But I think if you look at the gym gear we can buy, which is mm -hmm. crazy NASA tested fabrics, like we really don't need that. Six pound pair of leggings. Do the yeah. Same job. yeah. You know what I mean? I just think it's that thing of we suddenly start treating ourselves mm -hmm. like we are Olympic athletes or mm -hmm. we are elite astronauts whatever it might be anyway it's not madonna's fault but it's just things like these as you say unsustainable diets yeah we put so much pressure on ourselves but actually realistically we are not elite athletes yeah. and we should be allowed to have some ciabatta and olive oil yeah. and balsamic vinegar or something before crazy example it's a tangent no I, I think i think i think you're right about the extremes i mean i i it scares me a bit you know, I you know, with the amount of people who are on these extreme diets and cutting their body fat down to nothing, women are designed to have body fat. Mm. Um, they're designed; to, they need that to have hormones. So, mm. a lot of women who are anorexic or training too hard yeah. or really low body weight will will stop their periods, and it's the body's sign of saying that there's something not quite right. It doesn't got it hasn't got enough fuel to to function properly as a mm. woman. So, you know, you, obviously we're you know all the gyms you see these young girls who are it's basically in a glorified eating disorder and, and their hormones will eventually come back to haunt them and there'll be problems and unfortunately I've seen quite a lot of it in my time and it's not it's not fun um and it's not about appearance it's about how you feel and how you accept yourself and self-esteem and that should be addressed not mm. these 
you know, women aren't designed to have six packs. I'm sorry, but we're not. Um, and, you know, we're not designed to see our muscles, um, you know, and it's not, I don't think it's natural and I don't think it's attractive. But then that's my mm. opinion. And I also know the the effects of what it has on their system as well in the long term. If they've, you know, we need fat to survive. Um, the theme I'm getting as well from this conversation is just be easy on yourself. Yeah. Massively. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's from my own personal experience from seeing patients and from, you know, life. Is that a shift? So if somebody comes into you and they say, Elaine, I don't feel myself, something's not quite right, I'm sure it's my hormones, you do the tests and you confirm that there is an imbalance, you begin to treat them. When they come in maybe however many weeks or months later, depending on what their particular program is, do you see a, 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 a physical change, like an energy shift? Yeah, I mean, I, an I, attitude shift. Either. Yeah, I mean, it massively changed people. I, you know, I mean, that's what I love so much about this job. You I mean I love doing my GP work, but this is life changing for people that mm. they come back and they, you know, they feel like you've given them your life back, and you go, "And I've just given you some hormones." It's not, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's really simple, but it's really effective. And you know, you see the spark back in their eyes. You see them. You know, the the big thing that people come to me with, which is, you know. I feel like I just have lost myself. That's the the one theme that comes up is I feel like I'm not myself anymore and mm. I don't know where I've gone and I can't find myself. I can't get back to there. And you give them some hormones and they just... You, it's just beautiful. It's lovely. And as mm. I say, it's it's lovely to see and it's, it, it's really... Um, for anybody out there who's struggling, there is help and... You know, there's lots of stuff that can be done. And obviously, again, it's not all just the hormones. There are mm. other things that are going on in their lives that we can help you with. But hormones have a big impact on how you're feeling and yeah. how you manage those other things. So so it's hormones, it's lifestyle, and it's really that stress, uh, cortisol steel, it's really addressing stress. Yeah, massively. That yeah. should maybe... And also, dare I say, the stress management is, is potentially the least expensive approach to begin with of just managing the stress well it's the easiest thing to do and as I said about that lady that I spoke to the other day you know I can tweak her hormones around forever and I have done Mm. but if she doesn't change those other lifestyle things then that progesterone is just going to keep getting used up to make cortisol and and I'm actually not helping her if I don't speak to her about those other Mm. stuff the other things and it's up to you know it's obviously it, it's again then up to you what you do about it but and some people wait until they hit the brick wall like I did and you know you know and 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 sometimes we have to do that we have to hit rock bottom before we have to we we start to make our way back mm-hmm. um but that is what we as doctors should be there to see the signs and hopefully try to help them and point them in the right direction if they can't do it on their own to people who can um you know our NHS god love it is failing miserably trying to support everybody who is struggling Mm -hmm. with mental health issues um and a lot of the stuff on you know we will have to end up paying for but there is help out there Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's about getting getting the right guidance and as somebody who allowed it to get to a bad point Mm -hmm. you just said um I, I guess you would say please don't do that well that's my big thing I mean I set up a new company doing retreats and trying to get people in you know to 
my ethos is, you know, don't go down the bad roads I went down, you know, all the dead end paths. And, you know, hopefully somebody like myself who have been through a lot of stuff and also have the medical experience that I can guide you to down the right way or hopefully try and help you at least mm-hmm. and as much as possible to to go down the right path and obviously help balance hormones and look at nutrition and, and, and look at that whole holistic picture yeah. um, because it's not pleasant when you hit that rock bottom and that mm. bad patch and it takes a while to get out once especially when you hit the sort of end stage of adrenal mm-hmm. fatigue it can take a couple of years to come back out the other end yeah. and you know what you exactly what you said earlier is be gentle have patience with yourself you've only got one body mm. and you know we're all so hard on ourselves you know we do you know we talk to ourselves the way we would talk to our worst enemy mm. you know and um, the one thing that I have learned over the past couple of years is just that, you know, quality of life, you know, spending time in nature, sleeping better, being around good people who are mm. not toxic to your energy and being very mindful of what and who you spend your time with mm. um, is as important as all the drugs and all the hormones mm. and all the medical interventions is, is the simple things, mm. sleep, diet, um, having some time for yourself, which I never was able to do, which I can actually do now for the first time in my life, and just me either. I used to, if I wasn't with other people, I'd just go on standby like mm-hmm. a television, <laughs> just literally wait until I could be with people again. And yeah. now I love my alone time. Yeah, and walking in nature and being just—I mean, we've got some beautiful weather now. I was out for a walk yesterday. Just, just we, you know, we, there's so much out there that you know that people are so busy in their own heads and you know busy working that they're missing out on life um and i think it's i think we all are you know we're living in a in a very stressful world now and i think people are beginning to suffer because of that but also people are becoming more aware so i think there's a lot of positives mm. coming out of the negatives yeah, I got in a taxi last night. I hosted an event about nine o'clock, ten past nine, central London, got into a taxi, and there was just this beautiful light. Yeah. You know, because it's May, and the light was just incredible, and every single building looked slightly magical. And I said, oh, gosh, doesn't, look, doesn't London look beautiful? And the driver just went, got me eyes on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Her guy had probably been working for 24 hours. No, I know, and I just thought, yeah, that's, that's the difference. Sometimes just looking up and just going, just taking a bit of a deep breath. I know that sounds a bit woolly. You might be thinking, Emma, I'm in the middle of a hot flash. Just get me the bioidentical hormones. But it is part of it, isn't it? It's just yeah. kind of like elevating, uh, relaxing, yeah. easing, and being kind to yourself. I get messages from people all the time about this. And what I hear in those emails and in those DMs is, as I said, distress. Yeah. And we're load-bearing animals, us women. Yeah. <laughs> and I know there are men who listen. We love you too. Men load-bear too. But as you say, um, you can hit rock bottom. But yeah. then you're going to need to recover. So be kind to yourself. Yeah. Elaine standing there with the yellow tabard on going, wrong way, <laughs> go down there. It's the self-care stuff. I mean, I think that's the big thing for women and I mean I think men are suffering a lot too actually I mean I think the pro- women actually we're a bit more vocal about our problems and we actually share yeah. and we actually get support from our our female friends and mm-hmm. uh, I see a lot of men who struggle and um, who probably the only person they speak to about their stuff is me mm-hmm. um, and that scares me I think there's a lot of men who are struggling 
a lot more than women are. Is the menopause real then? Yeah, massively, massively. So I do see a lot of men with low testosterone as well. Um, And again, I think that will be the big thing in the future as well. Um, But, I mean, the same thing applies to the men, you know, the stress thing as well, the diet thing. Obviously, they're not as hormonally driven as women, so they don't fall off the cliff edge Mm. the way we do when we hit the menopause. Their testosterone is a more gradual decline, Mm. so they tend to slip slip through a wee bit and then they tend they're presenting more now because there's a bit more social awareness of it Mm. but um, I think a lot of men are struggling and hopefully if there's men listening out there as well that there is help for them as well they tend to have a very gradual decline in testosterone so it's not acute like women and they don't develop hot flushes but it's tiredness, mm-hmm. fatigue, anxiety, depression, loss of confidence. And that's the testosterone. That's testosterone uh, as well. Decreasing. Yeah. And again, we give women have testosterone as well and low testosterone women can be a big factor. So we do um, prescribe testosterone as well. But I say, I think, um, yeah, I know we've talked mostly about the women's stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, men do struggle as well. And it's well, um, listeners, you know I create the shows that you want, so if there are enough listeners out there who want an episode on the menopause, we can absolutely get Elaine back. Um, Elaine, thank you so much. It's such a convoluted subject. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's a complicated subject, but actually, I mean, I try to keep it simple mm. and explain as much as possible to the patients and obviously you know hopefully you'll be able to give my con- you know the people can contact if there's any anything yeah. they they really want to know but i think as complex as complicated as hormones are to understand what each and every one does because i'm going to be honest i've forgotten a little bit about what estrogen does that you explained at the beginning i think well, i'll remember if you I, don't I, give I, me an exam <laughs> but I what i mean I, is um the even though the subject matter itself is quite complicated the paths to actually feel more like yourself again are actually yeah. simpler than you might think. I think it's not that important to know what the hormones do. It's important <laughs> to know that they have a massive impact on your mental well-being, your physical well-being and just how you're feeling. So, you know, obviously I should know what they do, but it's <laughs> it, it, it's not that important that you, you obviously know that yeah. they're part of your reproductive system and that they have a big impact on your health. Um and as I say, most women know when there's something wrong yeah. and it's their hormones, you know. And if you go to a doctor, whether it's a GP or whoever, and you say, I think my hormones are out of whack, that's a valid thing to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think if you're feeling unwell, that's it's valid to go and ask for help. And as I said to you before, you know, if, if you don't get the right help, then, you know, ask for someone else mm. or, you know, hopefully there's lots of... There's lots of support in it. There's lots of menopause cafes out there now. There's lots of, um, there's lots of support and women who are setting up things to support women going through the menopause that are not. Um, and maybe you could share those links with yep. me, and I can put them in the show notes. Certainly can, so people can find. Yeah, them. absolutely. Um, Elaine, thank you so much, listeners. Obviously, the links to Elaine, the clinic, everything will be in the show notes. Uh, which is which you'll find wherever you're streaming and downloading this episode, and I'm sure we'll um, I'm sure we'll get you back. Maybe yeah, hopefully. we'll do some listener questions. But Elaine, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.
Before you go, just a reminder that if you do want to get in touch with me, it couldn't be easier. Email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or DM me on social media where I'm at Emma Guns. You can also join the closed Facebook group and have a conversation with me and other listeners simply by clicking the link in the show notes, which can be found wherever you are streaming and downloading this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you on the next one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.